This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, September 29th, 2019. Leadership Lessons, Conflict. Connection Church. Today we're going to talk about Nehemiah, a guy that we find in the Old Testament in a book with his name on it. Anyway, Nehemiah, uh, he was a Hebrew who lived during the Babylonian exile. That's where King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his troops besieged Jerusalem and uh, basically destroyed the place back 600 BC. Nehemiah ended up with a pretty good job over in Babylon. He was the cupbearer for the king, which means his job was to serve the king beverage, primarily wine, and to make sure it wasn't poisoned. The only downside was uh, he did that by tasting, and if, uh, <laughs> if it happened to have some poison in it, <laughs> that was a bad day for Nehemiah. Nehemiah's brother and some friends came back from Judah to report that the, the place was in shambles. The, the city wall of Jerusalem was destroyed and the gates were burned, they were charred. When Nehemiah heard this, he he mourned, he sat, he cried, and he fasted and prayed for several days. And out of that prayer, he was led by God to, to go back home and to rebuild that wall, to give the people some hope, to bring about some restoration. Anyway, he went to the king, asked permission, and the king granted it. He also gave him permission to get some timber from his forest, and he he gave him some troops to accompany him so he was safe along the way. When we read through the book of Nehemiah, we, we find some very valuable leadership lessons. We looked at a couple of those the last two weeks. We're going to look at another one this morning. Good morning, Connection Church. Oh, come on. It's almost... Uh... It's almost it's 11 o'clock. You can do better. Now, I understand that when it's like, you know, 8.30, but it's, it's 11, or 9 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock. Good morning, Connection Church. Morning. Now you sound like you're ready for business. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Carrie. Well, we have a new visitor among us. I don't know where her dad is. Where is Scott Hunt? He ne- there he is. He Get entrance. that guy in here. <laughs> this is the sweetest little baby, Lila. I Paige. thought we just baptized the sweetest little baby. No, we, we oh. did. We <laughs> did. So we'll, we'll plan her baptism soon. But we wanted to introduce her to you. Her family is right over here. Would you she guys stand up? She's going to look real thrilled about this. Yep, stand up. There you go. <laughs> Kate and Scott and her sisters. We're missing one. We've got one. And so we want to pray over her. This is our tradition when babies are born. Um, you guys just stay standing during this, okay? If you would put your hand out. God, we thank you so much for Lila Page. We thank you for bringing her into this world and for the way that you have her wired just the way you would have it, Lord. Be with Kate and Scott as they now parent three girls and give them uh, exactly what they need. Thank you that they are Christ followers. Mm. We lift Lila up to you with thanksgiving and praise in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Lila Page, yeah. I love that name. You know, we th- started with three girls. Started. 
with three girls. We started, <laughs> yeah, started with three girls. <laughs> oh, okay. We, we've got another growing family here, so that's good. He said he had a couple more chances. Well, good morning, Connection Church. There you go. So today we're going to conclude our study of Nehemiah and the leadership lessons we can glean from him. Two weeks ago, we focused on character. Last week, we were talking about community. This morning, our focus is on conflict. All right, so it's the fifth Sunday. Every fifth Sunday, we invite our gym kids to come in and be a part of worship. We have whiteboards for you. So if you do not have a whiteboard, if you're a kid in the gym, put your hand up, or another kid that's just here. We've got whiteboards here go. up here, guys, that are needed. There's two. Any right over here? Anybody need a whiteboard? Oh, there's lots of them. Steven needs one. Okay. Just keep it up, okay? Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep them up. <laughs> oh, got... <laughs> Gareth, could you be any more comfortable over there, buddy? <laughs> He's just laying. That's fine. That's good. All righty, we're going to get started while they uh, pass out the whiteboards. We are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. We greet you in the name of Christ, and we also say hello to those of you who are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here. So our focus today again is on Nehemiah and conflict. So kids, write the word Nehemiah on the board. Once you get your board, it should be on the center. This screen in the middle is just for you. So that's where your screen is. Look on there, write the word <clears throat> Nehemiah. Okay, so you ever heard the expression, um, no good deed goes unpunished? Yeah, right? Well, Nehemiah's good deed of rebuilding the wall was no exception. Immediately following his meeting with the king, the meeting where he told the king the plan, the, the king gave him permission to go back to the homeland to build the wall. He even gave him permission to get timber out of the king's forest and also gave him a military escort to protect him on the way. Check out what happened immediately following. When Sambalot and Horonite, uh, I'm sorry, Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So kids, on your whiteboard, now write the word conflict. Conflict. Conflict is a serious disagreement. Like if you're at school, you're in the lunchroom, you're in, on the playground and you have a serious disagreement with, with a friend, that's what conflict is. And so the guy that we're talking about, Nehemiah, he had conflict or opposition immediately following God's plan. We read in chapter 4 of the Bible that this conflict escalated so much that Nehemiah had half of the workers, the construction workers on the building, um, build, and then the other half were standing guard with spears and shields and bows and armor. It was that bad. There were the people who were carrying materials, building materials, and they did so with one hand, and they had their weapon in the other hand. This conflict threatened to destroy the entire project of building this wall that Nehemiah was asked to do or felt called to do by God. But here's what he did. He prayed, 
He stayed focused on the task at hand, and he was prepared. That's an important thing, to be prepared, to do what it took to even fight to finish the project that God had given them. And despite all of the outside distractions that they had, they finished the wall in record time, 53 days. Golly, days. It was like two years doing this, this project, 53 days yep. of the wall. 53 days. Maybe you faced some outside conflict at one time or another in your life. Uh, sooner or later, I think all of us face conflict. The challenge when that happens is to stay focused in the midst of the conflict. Uh, like I heard one time when I was in sales, uh, it's tough to drain the swamp when you're up to your tail in alligators, <laughs> but you still got to drain the swamp, okay? So you've got to stay focused, uh, somehow stay focused in the midst of that external conflict, just as Nehemiah and his men were able to do. Kids, draw workers building a big wall. Now, last week, what did we call that wall? Big honking wall. wall. I figure if you build it high enough, you won't have to see the workers. They'll be on the other side. That's right. So this conflict, it can come from inside as well as outside. And it's all really, really challenging. So Nehemiah was experiencing conflict from the outside, but it also happened among the very people that were working on the wall. Check this out. Now the men and their wives in Jerusalem raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the, tax, the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. So in that time and place, most of the working class families were just getting by hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck, nothing in reserve. And so when famine hit, like it did on occasion, it was devastating. And so some were mortgaging their fields and their vineyards just to buy food, while others had to borrow money to pay taxes to the king. Their debt became so great that some of them even had to sell their children into slavery in order to survive. The lenders... The Hebrew nobles were getting richer while the Hebrew blue-collar workers were suffering and enslaved. See, they're all Hebrew. That's the key here. But it's the different classes, the different levels at which they're operating that's a challenge. The Old Testament laws forbade charging interest in this case but and some other thing. And there were also laws that with so much time you're supposed to return things back to the original owner. But those laws were often ignored, as was the case here. And so the result was conflict, which we see uh, chapter 5 of Nehemiah, basically the whole chapter is taken up talking about this conflict. 
There's an article written by Dr. Gregory Brown, and he writes, the article's called How Godly Leaders Resolve Conflict. And he writes that since the fall, since the Garden of Eden, to be human is to be in conflict. <laughs> Can you say that with me? To be human is to be in conflict. Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised when we experience so much of it. Now, on the flip side, Jesus teaches a lot about this, and particularly the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Say peacemakers. Peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. So kids, cross out the word conflict on your whiteboard, cross it out, and write the word peace. And then draw a picture that comes to mind when you think about peace. Hmm. And so on the one hand, we're human after the fall, so there's conflict. On the other hand, Jesus tells us to be peacemakers. To, peacemakers are blessed. So the question this morning is, how do godly leaders resolve that conflict? How do we become the peacemakers Jesus calls us to be in the midst of the conflict? Well, that's why we're here. Learn a little bit from Nehemiah to help us out with this. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. When I, this is Nehemiah talking, heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my heart and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. And so Nehemiah does two things here. First, he gets angry. And then, you know, as Christians, we're not supposed to get angry, right? <clears throat> Wrong. It's not always the case. If you look in the scripture, Jesus got angry. Remember back when they uh, came into the temple and there were some unscrupulous characters there selling sacrificial birds and doing a money exchange where they were gouging the people and uh, taking great advantage of the situation. They had turned the temple into a farmer's market. And Jesus, he went in. He cleaned house. <laughs> he turned over the tables. He took a whip and drove them out of there. He was angry. But it's the kind of anger we call righteous anger. Righteous anger. It's anger on behalf of God or on behalf of somebody else when there's an injustice, where something is just not being done right. Righteous anger is justified. We're mad on behalf of somebody else is bad fortune because somebody's taken advantage of them. Our challenge, though, is how in the midst of of our own righteous anger, can we avoid being sinful? How do we do that? Well, take, check this out. Godly leaders should work very hard to be patient and self-controlled. See, the problem most of the time with anger, we're not using this, are we? <laughs> We've getting our, let our emotions take over. Well, if you're going to be patient and self-controlled, you've got to let this be working. So in the midst of that anger, you got to 
put the brain in gear. In the case of Nehemiah, when he heard the outcry of the people, the scripture said he pondered everything in his mind. And so he took a minute to think it over, to carefully calculate the situation as opposed to instantly reacting to his emotional state. He, he carefully pondered and then accused the nobles and the officials. It's important for us to keep in mind what we read in Proverbs 29, 11. A fool, notice that, a fool gives full vent to anger, but the wise quietly holds it back. Amen. So Nehemiah, he directly confronted the nobles and officials. We read an article by Pastor Kerry Newwolf, Seven Healthy Ways to Resolve Conflict in the Church or Work. Too bad they've got to write articles about things like that, but it is true. And what this article talks about is that as we try to handle conflict, we often talk about someone rather than talking to someone. We talk about someone instead of talking to someone. Jesus calls us to be, calls us to be a peacemaker, but that doesn't mean that we don't confront or discuss a problem as it comes up. Jesus tells us that when we have a problem with someone, and it's in Matthew 15, that we go to them one-on-one. -on -one. After that, there's some instruction about next steps if that doesn't work. We should not ignore the problem or go talk to a third party unless I would say it would be some wise counsel in how to handle the situation, but not ever in a gossipy way. Direct confrontation or discussion is precisely what we need to do, and that's what Nehemiah did. So kids, draw a picture of friends talking together to work out a problem. In addition, Pastor <clears throat> Newolf points out that conflict is usually not a one-way street. It takes two to tangle. Yeah. He says that owning our part of the conflict will often help resolve it. Now, in the case of Nehemiah, it doesn't really apply because he's more of a mediator. He's not in, in, intimately involved in the conflict. It's between these parties, and he's mediating it. But in our case, more often than not, we aren't the mediator, are we? <laughs> no. We're one of the parties involved. And so um, when we are, it's fair to consider how much of this conflict is because of us? You know, we honor the other person when we consider our part. And as Christ followers, we're called to honor the other person at, at all times. Um, it's important, even in the midst of conflict, to be honoring. Now, Nevoff also asks a very good question for us to get a handle on our part of it. The question is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Think about that one. In other words, what's it like to have to deal with this guy? Or in your case, you guy. <laughs> what's it? Think about that. Look in the mirror, you know. It's like Debbie sometimes in the office says, Alan, it must be really interesting to be in that head of yours. I said, Debbie, you don't know the half of it, you know. Uh, you know, try to look in the mirror and think, okay, what's it like dealing with? What, what did I contribute to this situation? I'd love to say that during our 18 years here at Connection, starting the church and, 
as it has become what it has, that we have never had conflict. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I'd love to say that, but that is not true. <laughs> I would love to say that in our 41 and a half years of marriage that we have never had conflict. Isn't that unbelievable? I'd love to say that, <laughs> but it is not true. There are ways to handle conflict, though, and there are ways to not handle conflict. And the important thing is that we can choose to address it or not. And the way we address it is the way we're talking about addressing it in a godly way. But if we choose to not address it and we just sweep it under the carpet, you know what happens to that carpet? It gets really lumpy. And then we start tripping and we fall, fall and it's a very dangerous Break your leg. <laughs> situation. Yeah. Lumpy rugs are dangerous. They sure are. <clears throat> Nehemiah 5, 9 to 12. So I continued, Nehemiah talking, what you're doing is not right, he's saying to the nobles and officials. Shouldn't you walk in fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain, but let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, and also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, and new wine, and olive oil. Now, here's the unbelievable part, isn't it? We will give it back, they said. Wow. We will give it back. And we will not demean, demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. <laughs> Then I, Nehemiah, some of the priests made the nobles and officials take an oath to what they do, what they had promised. <laughs> He's going to seal the deal right there. So Pastor Newell <clears throat> points out that it's important to believe the best about others when it comes to resolving conflict. So kids, write on your board, believe the best about others. Because here's what happens. It's really easy sometimes to look at the worst to think the worst in the midst of conflict. And instead, how about if we give each other the benefit of the doubt? How about that we might even consider that things are happening and that person might not even realize what is going on? He also says to explain rather than blame when you're talking to someone. Explain rather than blame. Don't use statements like, you always, or you make me so mad. He can't make me mad. I choose that response. And so it's our choice to react one way or the other. What a better reaction we could have is when I say, you know, when, when you did this or when you said this, it kind of made me feel like this. It kind of helps cause a better discussion than a blame kind of game. In addition, it's suggested that we should be specific rather than using generalities. You always, no, that, I, no. This particular instance, this is what I experienced. And so that really helps resolve conflict when we can be a little more specific. In the case of Nehemiah, he did all the things that we just mentioned. He precisely pointed out that they, the nobles and officials, what they were doing wasn't right. 
And he also assumed the best in them by figuring that they would want to honor God, or as Nehemiah puts it, fear God, same idea, realizing that when they, that when they are doing something that's not pleasing to God, it's also not a good witness to the world. Notice what he said about the Gentiles watching, the outside guys. That's true for us as well. Let's keep it real here. The world out there is watching us as Christ followers, just waiting for us to misstep, just waiting for us to have a hypocritical moment, just waiting for us to do something that a Christ follower wouldn't or shouldn't do. To give them an excuse you with me? to not be sure, a Christ that, follower. Oh, I, I knew you would do that. You know, you claim this, but well, let's face it, none of us is perfect, right? We're going to mess up. But people are watching, and, um, uh, and that happens when our conflict is the result of not doing what God would have us do, especially. You know, if, we've got to be cautious, just as Nehemiah called them to. And, and so then he, he tells them that he and his men are setting the example. They're lending money and grain also, but they're not charging interest. And see, there were Old Testament rules about charging interest to your own people. And they were breaking them. Nehemiah also carefully explains rather than blames when he's doing this. He explains it rather than blaming it. He then again believes the best in them as he encourages the leaders to not only not charge interest, but to return the fields and vineyards. They, Old Testament policy was after so many years, things would return to the original owner. It probably wasn't in this short of a period of time, but those laws were being ignored as well from what we read. And so he's encouraging to give them back, encouraging the leaders of Jerusalem to quit taking advantage of the situation and of your fellow Hebrews, your fellow Israelites, and to do the right thing. That's what righteous means, the right thing, doing the right thing. Pastor Newolf says that to resolve contact conflict, we should tell those we're confronting that we want things to get better. More often than not, when we get in conflict, what's our goal? To win, to be right, you know? And sometimes we get so focused on we forget what we were in there originally for, just as long as we win. Well, what if our goal, instead of winning and being right, was to make things better, whatever that looked like? That's what Nehemiah does here. And the incredible part is they listened. They listened. Kids, draw two people shaking hands. How's that? Here. That's better, yeah. You know, end of conflict. I didn't know we were in conflict. It was just an example. Just, uh, just, just, a, visual, sure here. All just right. a visual moment. So the nobles and the officials said that they will give it all back, that they won't demand anything more. It's really cool. And then Nehemiah asked them to officially swear on this. It's like when we were younger, we'd, you know, pick our prick our finger and put the blood, you know, on it. Did, did anybody do that, like with a friend? No. No? Okay, good. I I'm hate not doing that when here. I have to give blood now. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <sighs> it's actually part. all about being accountable. It's about accountability. And so as people who are trying to do our best to follow Christ, we need accountability. And that's why it's so important. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have accountability partners to help keep us on track. I am so grateful for my accountability partners and for the way that many of you speak into my life. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.
And so we come to the question of the day. What about you? Chances are pretty good. Call me crazy. I'm just I'm going out on a limb here. Chances are good you'll have some conflict from now until the time you're no longer around. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. So the question is, would you consider doing some of the things we talked about today in order to try to resolve that conflict as quickly and as lovingly as possible? Would you? Here's what we're talking about. Will you look for the best in the other person rather than the worst? Uh, will you explain rather than blame? Say, explain rather than blame. Explain rather than blame. Very good, very good. Speak in specifics rather than generalities and hope, uh, and help them see hope. Help them see a brighter future. Help see hope as you let them know that you want things to be better. It's not I want to win, I want to pound you down. I want things to be better. And here's the really challenge. Will you approach it and handle it as a godly leader? A godly leader. And what that means is facing it squarely, not sweeping on the carpet, confronting the person directly, not talking to a third party, not the gossip piece, dealing with people, and, and, and squarely talking about what the problem is. Will you own your part of the conflict? Ooh, ooh. Now, now I'm stepping on toes. We, will your anger be righteous? Righteous anger. Where you are patient, controlled, reflective. Will you set the example of a Christian witness doing all that you can to resolve the conflict in a God-honoring way? And most Working to be a godly leader. Sorry. That's okay. In all that you do. All that you do. And most important, pray. That is, that's got to bathe the entire discussion before, in, in the middle, and after. Pray. Kids, draw a picture of you praying. And so pray for them, pray for the people you were in conflict with. Don't pray about them, but pray for them. Or pray on them. <laughs> or pray on them. You know, earlier in our marriage, I would be like, God, come on, change this man about this particular issue. And God now, said, good luck for that. But, but God wired him the way that he is. And so now whenever we're in any kind of conflict, I pray, Lord, help me appreciate the way that you've wired him or anybody that I'm in conflict with. Let me appreciate the person. Please help me understand why he's acting like such an idiot. Show Lord. me my part of this. No. <laughs> Show me my part of this. Change my heart. Change my heart. You know, it's really hard to stay angry if we're praying. It is so hard to be angry, to be ticked off when we're, when we're vertical with God. Especially being angry with someone when you're praying for them. Right. So Pastor Newell Hoff says this really cool quote. He says, prayer will take away any smirk of superior, superiority out of your attitude, which goes a long way toward solving problems. <laughs> prayer. When we go vertical, when we talk to Jesus Christ, who came for such a time as when we're in conflict. 
through the good times, through the tough times, in the valleys and on the mountaintops. And we have someone called the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and the Holy Spirit guides us when we are in the midst of conflict and helps us navigate through in a godly way. And so, yes, we've learned from the Old Testament today, from Nehemiah, but Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us through all of this. And that's the good news of the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Parents, take a picture of the whiteboard, send them to connect at connectioncc.org, and um, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for this really awesome day where we have welcomed little ones into the fold in the way that um, you've asked us to baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and reaffirming, Michelle reaffirming her faith in you. God, help us learn from Nehemiah. Help us use these principles and be godly men and women, boys and girls, as we handle things that are tough. And in all things, Lord, let us depend on you, order our steps, because you are a great God. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.